I consent. I consent to this recording. I also consent to this recording. Excellent. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone listening. This is Totally Classic. My name is Brendan McNamara. Totally Classic. My name is Andy Swindler. So I have known Andy for 20 some odd years, 23, I don't know. Let's not do the math, but 20, I'm just gonna say 23 because it sounds like a good number. I don't know if it's accurate or not. Not um, counting past lives and whatnot, but yeah, that's- Exactly. Um, and our hope for this show is myriad, but we are going to talk about in this first episode, why we are doing this show. This is a, we are going to work out live so you can get a sense of who we are and how we communicate with one another. This is kind of formulating a mission statement. This is a brainstorming session. Um, but I, I think my first loft up into the air is that I feel like we are at one of the, we're at a Rubicon as a society, I think certainly in the United States of America, but I would say probably worldwide of um, othering and tribalism to a degree that it is shocking. It is the, it is the most tribalistic and hate-filled um, atmosphere that I have ever experienced in my 43 years on this planet. So one of my hopes is to, even if I'm <laughs> vainly standing up as giant tsunami waves crash over me, uh, that I wanna rush out to that tsunami and try to embrace it in a hug. I want to uh, dive headlong into that danger that I feel is, is present. And I want to talk to someone who I love and have wildly divergent in some ways, I would imagine, uh, worldviews, points of view, experiences, all sorts of things to think through, to talk through, to communicate through, to love through all that divides so many of us right now. Hmm. You're like, I'm out. No, I'm not. <laughs> you said nothing about tsunamis. So. Yeah. No, I did. Yeah. I'm hydrophobic. I'm learning to serve. Uh, mm. No, I, I'm just, I'm so glad you, you brought it back to love because that's, uh, it's funny as I've been sharing this idea with a couple of folks um, here and there and, and that's how I describe it. I say, you know, somehow this seems kind of magical and, and to your point, all too rare that we could have a discussion about, there are things, we, we actually disagree on some of the most contentious topics around and we'll, we'll get yeah. to that. I'm thinking that's like a season closer. Maybe we'll tease that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, or, or in four minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We, yeah. we could maybe have the entire discussion in four minutes. I yeah. doubt it knowing us, uh, no. but I, I, there's so many levels of delight here. One is that, yes, I absolutely love you. And we've been texting a lot. Uh, yeah. to, to weave in a little bit of how we got to this moment. Um, we haven't actually talked in a minute. Um, yeah. We have stayed in touch over the years through walk and talks. Um, the other piece of, of without naming the year or bothering to do math, I don't know, I was a journalism major and you were a theater major. So, you know, we weren't math majors. In fact, no. I think math for trees was too hard, right? So, so I didn't the, do well, yeah. We, we both met in college and, and some computer or divine intervention or, you know, act of some great higher power decided to put us together in the same dorm. And it was magical. And it, and it wasn't even the two of us. Like you met your wife in that same dorm. 
and we met all these other amazing friends. Um, but that bond generated a ton of love. And we thought, gee, isn't it remarkable that we are able to talk about these things and be stay in curiosity, share our, our viewpoints, share like our pretty different, um, not only like different disagreeing kind of on topics or ideologies, but also just like what we're exposed to in the world yeah, that's has been radically different. Uh, as we as we've talked about some of these things, so there's a yeah. couple of other threads I'll leave it. Yeah, by choice and circumstance, those exposures is it's interesting um, because I think there's a lot of uh, if you were to survey us, uh, if you were to, like put us on your um, pick your fighter video game screen, you'd be like, well, these guys aren't that different. You know what I mean? I was like, ah, oh, and you know, this one, you know, higher in charisma. This one's higher in defense. This one's you know, whatever. This one, like the, our, our our alteration, our statistics uh, would be very uh, similar, but this might be, of course, I think this is one of the things we'll end up touching on in the show over time is uh, how, how diverse the undiverse uh, can appear and how many different layers of diversity there are. And that even though, again, yes, we were assigned by the same algorithm, uh, getting into the same educational institution in the same geographical region, uh, that we came with phenomenally different backgrounds. And I think in some ways we knew how diverse we were by something I have always uh, thought, at least growing up and still to this day, one of the most important sign po points of figuring out if you are um, asynchronous or synchronous with a person, this is uh, going to date us very specifically, is you pull out your folder of all your CDs. Uh, and both Andy and I had a ton of music. We both had like the big like 500 CD binders of all of our music uh, type of, we had that amount of music. We both love music. Andy is a musician. I was just a music lover at the time. I've since like made much more music, but uh, we both like brought him out and looked through all of his extensive music library and my extensive music library. And I think we had one CD in common. Yeah. I think one, as far as I know, maybe maybe like two or three, but as far as I remember, all I can remember is one. So I was like, "Oh dang, oh we are we're hecka we're hecka different." And I know it's a kid thing, but I actually think revel it's very revelatory as to worldview experience, all those things. Um, but yeah, I've loved you forever, and I'm super excited. Even just like all the things I think we can accomplish socially, communally, and like for people listening. But I'm actually just selfishly very excited for this opportunity because yeah, walk and talks is how we've largely been engaging for the past decade plus. Um, and walk and talks uh, to define them is literally exactly what it sounds like. That's where we would be like, okay, cool. We'd schedule a walk and talk. Usually cancel it, reschedule it, make another one, and then like maybe once, twice a year, pretty much, we would like get on the phone and be like, it was an opportunity for both of us to literally walk around, literally go in our neighborhood, just walk around, walk continually, keep moving, and keep talking to me. And that would last anywhere. I would say the shortest were probably more in the sixty to. It was somewhere in the 60 to 90 range. Some, I think somewhat similar to how the show will probably play out. Um, and one of the- yeah, But now we get to talk. And this is like a great reason to like reconnect hard. <laughs> hard. Hard. Uh, one of the pieces there too was we would take photos. And, and if we, when we saw something in our world we wanted to share, we would text that and say, hey, check, check this thing out. Um, I actually, uh, last year when I was going really deep in the clubhouse rabbit hole, attempted to recreate that. It just was never quite the same. Um, but that, I think that is a, a, 
a highlight or or a, or a piece mm-hmm. of, the, of the relationship or the culture that we that we have together that I think is coming through here. We're just sharing what do we see in the world, yeah. and how how maybe maybe a bit of how that came to be to the extent we're both yeah. really introspective um, fellows. But um, what I think this isn't is is a debate show where we're mm-hmm. sitting here trying to outdo each other with lots of facts and statistics and all these things. Um, there's a piece of, there's a piece of looking at who we are that is, that is related to that, that we want to reveal, yeah. uh, which is how do we establish truth? How do we make decisions about ourselves and our families? And how do we think those relate to the bigger world? And those we we have pretty different paths there um, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think, well, and to warn anybody listening, I am going to be the person who would be like, that guy didn't forgot the note that this isn't a debate show. Um, but that is also my, that is sincere. I'm saying this out loud. This is not a debate show. I agree with you. Um, I am interested. This is, I guess I don't, I think this will be, this help is defined for people. I think this will be a show, an argument show, uh, a show of, uh, but I mean that in the totally classic sense, hence the title of this, uh, of this program. Um, classically, argumentation is the, is the systematic, systematic reasoning. Okay, you think that, why do you think that? Okay, because of that, is that real? Now, is that real? I think often is when we're gonna get into like, okay, well, what does real mean and how do I validate real? And then I think for both of us, and this, uh, this will frame something helpful, hopefully about me bio, uh, biographically, is that I am a Christ follower, I'm a Christian. So uh, there's this Bible verse that uh, speaks of um, fellowship between human beings, uh, especially men as iron sharpening iron. And I think to some degree, uh, I would seek to avoid debate here in what we're endeavoring to do. But at some point, I think iron is going to sharpen iron because we're gonna, bump against, since we do, we do operate in a Venn diagram of like very different big circles and we overlap with a small amount. Um, but we most overlap, I think, in genuine affection. Like I genuinely, I love you. Um, that's important to say, I think, in conversation, in argument. So then in reasoning, my goal, I'm going to do the same thing for you that I do for myself, which is anything that I have, any bias, any experience, any anything, I'm gonna rush them on it at least and do it three, I'm gonna check it out three different ways. And I'm not only gonna check my bias, I'm gonna examine whether my bias is based on legit information. I'm not just gonna check it and be like, oh, I understand it, so now I can be cautious. No, I'm also gonna dig into myself and things are gonna get ground off of me by some things that you say in the same way I grind things off of myself or ask God to grind things off of me uh, on a regular basis, you know what I mean? Because it's it's one thing to identify the problem or identify the not even the problem, identify the the imbalance, you know what I mean, or the dis, the sort of disruption, and then it's another to be like analyze whether you leave the disruption and it's a good thing to have, or whether you're like, oh, okay, well that is to be excised and removed. Yeah, I love that, and I think to get there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things we have in common, of course, in addition to yeah. the. One of them is, is curiosity. Like yeah. we're both, I think, insatiably curious and, and willing to edit our views. Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, enthusiastic about editing our views. Enthusiastic <laughs> about, yeah. that's, that's, so that, in that way, this may, to your point, feel kind of like a debate, but it's it's more like, it's a, re, it's a debate rooted in that deep curiosity, not, 
I am, I'm standing here solidly and will never move. And my only goal is to get you over to my side, right? Um, yeah. And I think too, and I don't know if I could even find words, but maybe this will kind of um, unfold naturally through this conversation. I think we share some kind of similar vision for humanity and, and people mm. and communities and life yeah. and what does flourishing mean? And, and you know, it, you know it, it's just fascinating how, how maybe there, we've developed different ways of how do we do that? How, what does that look like? Yeah. Who the hell even could define such a thing as humanity, like when there's 8 billion different people running around? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to say it briefly, we mentioned it a few times. Uh, so the name Totally Classic is a brand that we came up with in college. Um, it's possible that there were, all, you know, mind alternating, uh, mind altering, you know, substances involved or not. Yeah. Uh, I like your slip of the tongue there. I'm going to catch your slip of the tongue and make fun of it. You said mind alternating, but the, isn't that, I mean, that's a, that is a deft slip because it's also completely accurate, isn't it? I mean, let's not pretend that we were, I was likely, we were likely high on weed at the time, but that it is, and which functions as both a mind altering, but a mind alternating in that, in any high state, you actually kind of are slipping back and forth in between you're kind of in a liminal space, right? You're kind of like, oh, I feel high. Well, no, I feel pretty good. I, but I stand up, all of a sudden I feel different, um, which I think we're going to functionally be in on the show, though I'm, I, I'm dead sober. I'm on uh, uh, like salt, salty water right now. But I, I, this, your, your slip was funny, but it was also completely accurate. Like it was, you literally made, made a tongue bobble that said two true things. <laughs> That's my greatest talent. Uh, also on highly filtered, um, yeah, Chicago Lake Water here, which eh, as far as water goes, is actually pretty decent. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, the, oh, maybe we could talk a little bit about where we are. As I oh, said, yeah. I am right. in Chicago in the United States, which I always add that because even though I'm guessing it's an international city, I'm guessing a lot of folks know where that is. I, I like the idea of adding. I think that a lot of the challenges the U.S. faces are being like so U.S. centric. So few, so few Americans travel outside the country. So I'm, there's a lot of things that hopefully will show up in my language that I've kind of added that might yeah. be like, well, anybody, I'm guessing most people might be in America listening to this, who knows? I hope not. Yeah. Um, but uh, they might be like, well, I know we're Chicago. Like, why would you even say the United States? That's silly. Yeah. Well, That's where the, the, I, yeah. I want to decentralize the United States because we've already basically built, you know, the, the new empire. So, you know, we don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And we're being decentralized currently, really. I mean, we're kind of decentralizing ourselves in some ways, which is right. functionally it's it's not so bad. I mean, I think it's gonna it's gonna hurt. I think it always hurts to decentralize yourself to to many uh, on many formats and in many to many degrees. But at least on the big map, I have a big map of the the earth on my wall in the other room. Uh, and the center of it really um, is just the ocean, which is most of the earth. So <laughs> So yeah, let's do, I mean, it would be practical. It's, it makes sense to decentralize uh, in that way. Uh, and I presently am in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, USA, the States. Um, I don't, I don't, this is not my, I met Andy, I don't know what it would be driving distance from where you are now. I don't know where you are, 35 minutes? I'm just throwing out a random guess. Um, that's where we met in that portion of the country. Um, but I, yeah, I live in the Southern, sort of Southern United States now, um, but I'm two years freshly here um, and I don't feel at home here at all. Um, I've lived here through two years of the um, 
the sort of COVID-19 pandemic era. Uh, I moved here in February of 2020 um, and the world decided to um, shut down, which we now realize was, a, was an absolutely terrible idea, uh, but we had shut down uh, about three weeks after I, maybe a month or so after I landed here. Um, so I, I barely know this place. And I, I went, this is funny, there's a, a controversy brewing in my mind already, which is like, yeah. oh, should I offer a land acknowledgement, which has become quite common in a lot of the spaces, you know, oh, yeah. I, I hang in and yet also controversial and, and, and limiting. So I'll speak to that briefly. Yeah. So what that means is, is saying, oh, who was, who was here first? Who did, who did we basically probably take this land from through extraordinarily violent means? Yeah. We as European colonizers. And so, and, and in this area, it's fairly complex. You know, the, I, the best shortening is it was the Three Fires Council, um, but there were, there were several First Nations in this area. It's a, it's a very fertile area in the Midwest. It's, it's by, I don't know, I think I saw once that the Great Lakes represent 60% of the world's freshwater supply or something like that. Wow. Um, so there's just a lot. And, and there's probably reasons, you know, that's all through sort of my sort of, I don't know, colonizer 21st century lens, you know, there are probably all sorts of other reasons they like this area. The funny, well, I don't know if it's funny. The thing is, a lot of us in the last couple of years, and, and especially there was this um, kick up, you know, after George Floyd's murder around lots of social justice language. So land acknowledgements became a lot more common. Um, but now I, I, there's a healthy discussion being layered on top of that, which is like, well, so what? Like, like, is that changing anything for the folks who live on reservations right now? Or, or yeah. the, the American Indians in, in an urban center like Chicago, have I gotten any closer to them? Are we making any substantial shift towards, you know, oh, I'm, I see, I'm I doing see. any of that yeah. versus just perf the performative perfunctory. Right. Hey, you know, it's, it's good to know, I think, as a piece of history and as a thing, but a lot of us are starting to ask the question, well, 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 uh, yeah. What are we going to do about that? It's it's not enough just to be like, hey, here's who used to live here. Sorry, you know. Yes. Well, it's the difference between like uh, I was just talking about this this morning. So I was studying this uh, Bible verse in Philippians. It says, and it starts with, "Be anxious for nothing," which already is ex enormously provocative, right? Uh, you're like, mm -hmm, what are you talking about? No, it, that makes me anxious. Literally, you saying that makes me anxious, Lord. Um, but I was saying like you could, and I was suggesting you can kind of take that in. And then have a conversation even just with that line in and of itself. And I was like, one of the things you have to do whenever you take in something that even saying something true is it can very quickly become just like a mantra. And then a mantra can very simply, very easily become babble where you're literally just saying something. And then you get to the point where you're like, um, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name that kingdom come, they will be done. You know what I mean? You're just speeding, you're speeding through rote memorization. And it doesn't, oh. if anything true, doesn't functionally begin to alter you per, I don't even know maybe down to a DNA level that's a for future exploration uh, autodidactic exploration of mine but if it doesn't begin to fundamentally alter you then yeah at some point you're like is this useless now if it's true it's never useless but is it is it performing is it performing peak performance or is it um, yeah exactly or what you're talking about is it a thing of like we got we took Aunt Jemima uh, off the package so now now there's just no black women on any syrups anywhere. So that was more harm than good, right? I miss Jemima. Miss Butterworth is super sexy, but it's, she's not, it's not, it's not enough for me. She's not my style, all right? But that's interesting too. It's like, so wait, they're called Three, three Fires, you said? The Three Fires uh, Council. 
I know. Council. Yeah. It, it worked, I think, geographically, we're kind of on even on the western edge of that. That really stretched up into what yeah. is now Canada. Um, but no, there was the 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 Ho Chunk, the Potawatomi Nation, the um, Miami. Um, there you go. And there's a there's a it's a long list. And there yeah. there is a really cool map. Um, native lands dot ca i think <laughs> yeah. like um and and yeah i would encourage anybody to look this up i think it's very important to explore to understand our history Fascinating. And, but and then eventually to say what what next um you know i i i mean you know this i had a, a property here with with some tenants and when i sold that i was actually really curious about i thought what well, you like what if one percent of real estate transactions went to somehow you know this is all falls in the category of reparations which could that probably could be a whole topic we discussed. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 what and how do we do that meaningfully? Um, you know, and I guess one thing I, I think there's so many like measurements we can look at, but like in terms of like health and and sort of how people are, but like life expectancy, I think is one of the clearest ones. Um, and that's true here in Chicago. It's a deeply, deeply segregated city. I'm sure that will come up time and time again because that's a lot of my own yeah. like hands-on experience. Um, and, and you, there's an area of this city where like you go for every mile you go, you know, I think you lose about 10 years or so, um, mm -hmm. in life expectancy. And I think the same is true of a lot of reservations. Um, so that's the question I I'm holding. And that goes back to love and it goes back to care and, and even yeah. mutual aid is like, well, what, what does it really look like to, to uplift? What does it look like to stand in solidarity? What does it look like to, you know, to, to stand in flourishing and, and prosperity? And and you know knowing, memorizing perhaps you know who 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 was destroyed or, or displaced, is a start. Um, but then but then there's the what next. And um, and it's funny. I didn't mean to go super deep into that, but maybe that's the first example. One thing I wanted to weave in though was um, I love your lens as a Christian. You know, way before we started on this particular dialogue, you know, you I tuned in. I still do. You know, to your morning sessions and and you know to me i would describe myself as as secular for a long time i described myself as an agnostic theist um recently somebody who who understands a lot of that world is like oh you're you're pretty much a universe uh what is it universal unitarian i think um, okay yeah yeah and, and i'm like okay sure <laughs> um, <laughs> you know but it but i think secular and spiritual i think that's the path i've been on the, the mm -hmm. kind of probably the 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 carry on of, of new age I, I generally tend to associate it with northern california and, and there's probably all yeah. sorts of things that will come up from kind of how that exists in the world or where that came from but yeah. that i think is an important framing that we that is important have. i think it's a huge frame especially as you bring in new age because new age essentially uh, in in terms of the California birthplace of it, interestingly enough, speaking of yeah the, the rise of things from geographic areas, and then I actually want to return to the uh, the indigenous uh, the the native peoples thing because I think those that'll provide a cool example of like how other maybe uh, in, uh, inspection of various things will play out in this show. But uh, inspecting the new age thing, especially when you said new age, I was like this is going to be cool and interesting, and this is the Venn diagram thing I think should be fascinating for people. Uh, new ageism, as I would essentially define it from my exploration of it, is rooted pretty specifically in, uh, especially in Southern California, in um, Satanism, uh, sort of do what thou wilt, like uh, uh, sort of libertarian, like libertarian spiritual theology or whatever kind of thing. So it's um, 
which is fascinating. Um, but New Age and Christianity are also in Southern California blended in a syncretistic fashion. So there's cool, there's a little Holy Spirit dove piece, right? But so in some ways, what we're, I want people to hear that, that sometimes I think people think New Age and Christians are all like the same. Fundamentally, they are literally, like in many ways, diametrically opposed. But I think the cool thing that I've always appreciated about you and I appreciate about myself is uh, I, I look for cracks where the light can get in in any in everything and also trying to look for commonalities in terms of like oh, okay what what are our sync points so i think this is one of the coolest is fascinating and cool because like about those divergent uh, uh worldviews or even directly op polar opposite or whatever or even in some cases opposing that because of me knowing you i make I know your your assumptions into that road, especially you're saying that was a progressive road, right? To kind of place where you're like, maybe I could be this. And even then, maybe I could be this, you know what I mean? Um, that uh, we still uh, are able to find multiple uh, points of entry in terms of, I think we have, like you said, and this is it, uh, common goals, uh, common to both those divergent, and even sometimes opposing forces, which I just think, I wanna highlight that because I think it's something people in general, I think human beings, including myself can easily miss that op little, oppositional forces can absolutely coordinate to in efforts. You know what I mean? In efforts, especially, and I think it would be imperative in efforts to uh, improve in ways that they both agree on. You know what I mean? I think it's fundamental to our political system and we've forgotten it. I think it's fundamental to all different divergences where it's like, oh, okay, well, we can never, never the twain can really meet and you can't really be trusted. You're like, okay, well, we can figure that out, but we can work together. You know what I mean? We can like, we can coalesce in order to pursue a, a common goal, um, which I think is awesome. I also think that is awesome. And I may, the, the term healthy tensions comes up yeah. for me. And yeah, it seems like part of, I'm sure we'll drift into various abstract places. And so this, this however we came to be, which yeah. we, could, we could unpack a lot there um, as this human form, it seems yeah. like that's part of the design or part of the evolution or part of however the hell we came to be is an extraordinary limitation in what we can see. We're forced, we're really forced yeah. to work together. And yeah, I think we do. I, I truly believe if there was more yeah. hate or evil than love, we wouldn't be here. I, I just think there's yeah, some yeah. glue kind of holding this all together. Um, but of course, here we are. <laughs> there's plenty of things we could point to, not the least of which is what's happening with Ukraine. But, um, you know, certainly this is not where we are, that, that we that we are embracing these healthy tensions at, at, at large in order to understand how how to make something better between them, how, how the very tensions and divergences themselves are the puzzle pieces to to make something better. That's the yeah, I mean, that's why I quoted Leonard Cohen, like the cracks or how the light gets in. That's like that is and I've been talking about this a lot, too, that like tension and I, I have people in my life who are fearful of tension and which boggles my mind. I don't understand it because I am and this will this is biographically illuminating. We, we probably could have done this real short, but this helps everyone know this is, we don't do things short. Um, but I am, uh, I'm an actor, I've been an actor. I don't even know what I am now, but I've been an actor since I was four years old. And so it is implicitly, it's just, it's part of me that in a way that I can't deny. And a storyteller and a creator, and especially in like improv performance, which I've done a ton of, and any storytelling, any drama, 
tension is what the whole scene is about. Tension, when you find a tension point in improv, that's if someone's like, oh gosh, the cat comes in and someone goes, oh, oh gosh, sweet, cool. The whole rest of the scene is all of us being as cat-like as possible and freaking that person out for hilarity. Like tension is what is, is literally tells us where to go. You know what I mean? It activates in some ways the most fight or flight primal part of us. We need to engage with this. This needs immediate, this is what needs it. If there's tension, we need immediate full attention on this. And it might be to run away from it. Freeze is kind of the, the worst option, but it's one that I slightly default to. And then fight, or we need to fight it. We need to like wrestle it, wrangle it, shape it, wrestle it down, figure out what it is, right? You know what I mean? And that's certainly, and just to illuminate myself as even further, fight is certainly my, in, in, in those fight or flight responses, fight is absolutely my dominant response. I've only uh, fled once in my life um, out of a genuine fear response. So I don't, I don't even quite understand those folks. Um, I think you're more of a, a freezer and a fighter. I don't know if you're a flight person, but maybe you are. I would define you as a, as a, as a freeze, I as, think, a, as, a, as, a paw, as a pauser. <laughs> I think that's accurate. Oh, wait, I can't resist. Um, pause. Oh, pause. Um, yeah, and actually that that's that is a, is something that's very important in the work that I do, you know, in, in holding space, right? Is this uh, this permission to pause, this permission to oh my god, are you paused? Are you yep. wait, oh I need to unpause you. Hold on. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Gosh. My, <laughs> eyes were, my eyes were getting dry. Um that's a deep uh, cut. That's sorry, I apologize to anyone listening to this on audio. That's a visual deep cut. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Oh yeah. Should we just let's let's try to be as inclusive as possible. So uh, the caption is Andy uh, held up some um, gloves with the fingers cut off that are in the shape of, of paws with little pink pads on them. So kind of like bear paws, um, which is obviously a really cute play on words with, um, where, where Brendan was taking it. Yeah. Uh, I I agree. And I think, you know, it's interesting. Some people describe me as like stoic. And in some ways, I mean, there's a whole entire universe around stoicism and is held as like the thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That got really popular in my circles in the past two or three years, like like rocket sauce, hugely popular. Like really, yeah. Weird, weirdly, like the return to so like people reading, you know, Roman generals biographies and you know that kind of like to full on this. I just think it's kind of interesting. As a side note, interesting. I yeah. and I guess I haven't actually read a lot of you know what is that body of, of work or yeah, practice yeah. stoicism. But I guess I have two, two thoughts. One is um, the idea that we can, can pause ourselves and, and sort of regulate and, and sort of know what's happening. And, and a lot of folks might call this respond versus react. Well, that's quite important. I think a lot of damage gets done when we just let, you know, our emotions take over. And, and especially if they're, they're um, especially probably the emotion of anger. Um, uh, and on the other hand, though, I have used that as a way to separate myself from people. Sure. And, and that, um, is fine. There's, there's two, two ways I feel like I'm coming out of the closet a bit, you know, um, one is being an empath and writing about that and sharing about that. And, um, you know, that is, uh, the short definition would be being energetically sensitive, being tuned in and, and having the ability to really sense energy, to sense people's emotions and things. And the 
The downside though is that it make it means that being energetically sensitive, I feel a lot. And if if you know if I'm not careful with those boundaries, something may come in that is is unwelcome or is is disruptive for me. And I think you're right. I think freezing or pausing or stoicism, it has been a way to do that, to to protect myself in a sense. Um, and what it ultimately does though is it distances me from the moment. It distances me from the person in front of me. And so, you know, maybe there's a, a moment of just like, I need a breath. Some practices we ring a bell literally to be like, yeah. we, need, we need this space. But then to come back, to come back after that, to connect. Um, I'm curious about that. The other one is actually, we were talking mm. earlier about the mind alternating substances. And yeah. it's hilarious to me that, that I still have this shyness about talking about something as benign as smoking weed. Yeah. Because I think we grew up in an era where that certainly wasn't legal and in many yeah. cases wasn't yeah. really accepted. I live in a state now where it's fully legal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's basically like buying alcohol. It's it's just, you know, it's just there. Yeah, that is interesting in terms of the things that are when we allow legality to shape our culture i think is very fascinating to me uh as a as a topic and i might write that down as a, a future topic i think that's interesting and then where we allow like you being a like uh, empathic so like energetic emotionally sensitive is fascinating too of how you would then perceive uh culture right because then culture for you then becomes very micro in a way um, I am, because then you're literally like the culture, the way of life of people I am around right now. And I'm responding to the tension of the moment where I am, since I am someone who, I don't even know how empathic I am or not, because it's not anything I've paid attention to. I literally prayed for probably about, I don't know, a year and a half, like every day asking the Lord to like grant me empathy. Cause I felt like I was lacking it in terms of the empathy, which is different than being an empath, which I think you could elucidate far better than myself. But, um, and then he gave it to me. And then I was like, thank you, Lord. Oh, this sucks. Um, so we get into that, that I find empathy actually in some ways like debilitating in the, in the, in the shared energy way that you're talking about. And also like, it's an entirely new dynamic to interact with that I don't naturally incline towards. So I don't naturally incline towards empathic. So that's another part of our Venn diagram. Whereas like, let's say in a fight or flight situation that it might put you in the place of like, hold on a second, I have to, I need to pause. I need to freeze for a second. I need to evaluate like what to do about this, which can pause, which can either make you um, then like have a rational response or like you said, the negative, which means then you can respond reasonably, right? And again, I think we've looked at this I think the pandemic, again, the pandemic is going to come up because it's, it's, I think, part of the birth of this show. Um, like in the pandemic, whatever, there was a lot of people, like I think an entire movement of a, a socially, a society, I think worldwide, that didn't pause, that just said, ah, like freak out and got in a flight and was like, what's going to save us? And then scrambled around and smashed a bunch of stuff and made a bigger problem. Like we in general, over the past two years, I'm convinced and there's data behind this, we did more harm than good in dealing with the what what made us rightly made us afraid um so your your tendency i think to like feel it and react to it positively you can then if you do that that's a good thing to do because then you can exactly like rationally respond be like okay how do we deal with 
what I've now identified is the actual problem. The bad side is you then, yeah, then you withdraw, then you actually like don't deal with the problem. I am highly reactive. So I think in some ways I'm pretty dang sensitive, but if I sense tension, my instinct is to run towards it. Like I am a, um, what's the word? I'm a self-appointed uh, messiah. <laughs> I'm a self-appointed, I'm a vigilante. I wanted to be a vigilante as a kid. First I wanted to be a Wolverine and teachers told me I couldn't be a Wolverine. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, can I be Wolverine? And they were like, Rrr. and then I was like, okay, I just want to be a vigilante superhero. Um, I did not endeavor upon that. Instead, I became an actress so I could do that and a whole bunch of other things for certain set parts, parts of my life. But I do have that instinct within me, which is problem, I'm going to go for it. A, a, as a comedian, that's exactly what you do. You're like, problem, cool, I'm going to make fun of it. A, I want to, which immediately diffuses the tension. But since I'm highly reactive, the good thing is I'm going to deal with the problem. I'm not going to leave things alone. I like, I'm like, let's get into it now. Let's get into it until it's done, dead, or identified. You know what I mean? Let's wrestle the monster down and kill it if we have to. Or once we have it in a place of submission, hey, it's not a monster. It's my new best friend. You know what I mean? Great, great. I, now my new best friend is a monster. But on the negative side, that can mean I am disruptive to the point of, of create, I can then therefore just like has happened in these past two years, which is why I'm very, it's very easy for me to identify we've done more harm than good. It's highly reactive. We did a highly reactive thing, which is what I tend towards, which is, and which often can then create more problems than there ever needed to be. Because as I lurch across to fight a monster, I elbow someone in the face and now someone has a broken nose. And you know what? The monster was actually just like an angry cat that just needed to eat. You know what I mean? So then, oh, oh no. So anyway, those are, it's, I think it's cool that we have, we have very, I think in some ways, not quite opposite. We have, there's some overlap. We have opposite uh, instincts in those circumstances, which create different problems. Oh yeah, and that's fascinating to compare how we are as individuals to how society can react. And, yes. and all of the machinations, which I think you're even more tuned into than I am about how do we, what are the levers we know to pull to get society to behave in, in a collective way? But, yeah. Before we go down that even further, um, was there something else you wanted to tie in back to the indigenous conversation? Yes, back to the indigenous. So my fascination with indigenous peoples in general, uh, or it's, I think the renewed focus on uh, native persons, um, I am, well, because I think ethically I'm in the middle. I'm kind of like, meh, I'm like, come see, come saw about colonialism. Like, I don't think colonialism is, it's kind of becoming like a part and parcel for like, bad governance, like rapey, um, and it absolutely can be, but I was like, in and of itself, colonialism is not bad. It can be in, like, it, it does, the question is, is colonialism frequent, more frequently more harm than good, or is it more frequently more good than harm? Harm and good are both part of colonialism. So then I'm always like, I, I, I reach, I immediately hit a tension point. So I was like, let's examine that. When we acknowledge, when we do land acknowledgements, um, a, I think it's fascinating. And again, like I was like, whether or not you're doing anything about it yet, say it because it's true. Is that who used to live here? Flipping say a true thing. If it makes people feel tense, flipping good. Why do I feel tense about that? But I was like, oh, I should examine that tension. And so it's like, this helps us. I'm trying to make this make sense that I'm looping back to something that I just really want to talk about. <laughs> just a slick connection. I feel good about myself. So I'm patting myself on the back. Um, so I was like, okay, so three fires um, council and I was like, wait, but who was there before them? And I was like, especially because in, in, the, in the United States of America, um, there are 
certainly written histories, but there's, there's quite a few tribes that were dominantly oral tradition based. Um, and again, colonialism in, as, a, as a theory can come in and be like, well, until you write something down, it's not real. And this is the patriarchal in it, which can be for me both positive and negative. Um, imposition of like, well, the written language is superior to oral tradition. And that is not what I'm suggesting. The one of the ways the written tradition is superior to the oral tradition is being able to check it. This is just like the same way, like having an email chain uh, on a series of decisions is super helpful as opposed to like we had a phone call about it. And you're like, well, I said this. And you're like, no, that's not what you said. If you have email, you can literally go, well, let's, let's check the tape. We're recording this. Recording is super helpful. So I don't know, like, I, as soon as you say that it was the three fires, and I was like, but who was it before them? And who was it before them? And who was it before them? And this gets into the creation of all things and Pangea and everything as to like, how did people get there? And how did people become people? And who were the first people who we, we would define as people who were there? And then how do they, and then you even get, you can get, this is, you could drive yourself crazy with this stuff. And then you're like, you get speciesist about it. You're like, well, what if there were no hominids whatsoever there first? In which case they literally robbed the land from other creatures or whatever. So it was like, who, who do we, how far back, once you start being responsible, this is the, and this is why some people, and I, I say this to not alleviate our, the necessity of our responsibility of examining these things, but to, help people understand, yes, it's overwhelming. And I understand, because once you start doing it, you're like, okay, well, how do I do this properly? How do I do this with utmost accuracy? And you have to be a little gentle on yourself to be like, well, this is what I know now. So I'm gonna say the thing that I know now, which is true. Now, is that the truest thing? Were they the first people there or were they the people who killed a bunch of other people who were there before? Who, and, and then those people had to move to a completely different area. You know what I mean? Those were just a smaller people who were more prone to disease and whatever. You know what I mean? Or just short. They were just like really short. There's a bunch of 411 native peoples who the, the Three Fires Council either interbred with till they were obliterated genetically or literally smashed their heads in. We, like we don't know. Or enslaved them. Like all of that is, is, is super fascinating. And that was just, I was like, oh, this is a cool example of where I go, okay. But the thing is, I don't want to go, stop talking about that stuff. Oh my gosh, who cares? But whatever. We all conquered somebody at some point. This is, we're going to be living in China right? China's going to own all of us, not just the national parks or whatever. So like, and do, do we want them to be like, here we are in the former United States. They're not going to, they're China. They'd be like, this is just like with Tibet. They'd be like, no, it's China now. You're like, oh, okay. Or Hong Kong. They're like the former uh, British colony, Hong Kong. No, they don't say that. They're like, it's China. Step up, be a conqueror. Um, I'm, that's not what I'm, uh, what I'm saying at all. But it makes me curious. And I'm like, oh man, I need definitions for that. Not that we'll arrive at them. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it provoked in me. And I just like, I think you wanted to acknowledge it for people who this is important to acknowledge. And I love knowing that that's part of your experience. And I think it's a valid thing. As long as it's true, say it. But I also want to acknowledge it from, I think people who hopefully anyone would understand it from me too, be like, well, why would you do that? And I was like, well, there's reasonable reasons and there's reasonable reasons to interrogate it as well, both for action, like you talked about, which is great. And then for even origin, origin like, is it is it real? There's a lot there. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I think um, part of the performance aspect of it that's really dangerous is, you know, is not actually understanding. Like this whole time, I've been like, oh, I hope to God he doesn't ask me about the Three Fires Council. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't get much further than memorizing the name, you know. Yeah, and, and, which is, which is, hey, but that's farther than I got, man. You know what I mean? So again, I'm, I don't say, again, this is, I think what people need to understand, I, again, I'm not, and I think you already know this, but I want people to understand this because we said this wasn't a debate podcast. Like I'm not, in no way is this an attack on Andy. He's gone farther than I am. So I'm like, wait, did you go the other, did you keep going the further distance that I would need to go in order to do that? And, and then what, and what does it mean? You know what I mean? Well, and, and it's, you know, when you were saying there's pros and cons to colonization, I mean, that could be unpacked at some point. Um, but yeah. I, was, I immediately thought, well, I think of it as a con if, if one person, if one group is conquering another violently. And to your point, that has happened all over the place, all throughout. And that doesn't excuse the, the, the specific last 400 years of European conquering which are arguably the most vile that, that, you know, so it's almost like we're in that way that we, we keep one upping, you know, just how, just how sort of violent and, and, and impressive and horrific we can be. Yeah. Well. You're, Obviously you're, not good. Yeah. You're coming over to my default malevolent side. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so there is, I think there's a complexity here, which isn't always talked about. It may not feel politically correct in a lot of circles, and I think it is worth looking at, um, and 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 it, and it you know, I I'm always kind of guarding against. Oh, when am I doing that? So I don't have to look at sort of my ancestors and sort of what we did. Sure. Um, and lately, I have been I have been unpacking you know ancestry my ancestry more and more. And I don't even know if this goes back to when you were talking about New Age and, and Satanism. You know, I want I want to I want to learn about English mysticism. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm mostly English. I mean, when I did my DNA test, I'm like, oh, okay, if there was any doubt, yeah, I'm, I'm about as white as it gets. Uh, but it's like, that to me, so one of the most powerful questions I was ever asked was, what did your family have to give up to be white? And in this context that of whiteness as a power structure, particularly yeah. in America, and now exported, um, in, originating in England uh, and, and, and Western Europe, but that... Uh, that's a question I'm still holding, and yeah. and and so when that comes to yeah, looking at who who was here, you know, one thing that came, well, what could be the a pro of of colonization would be well, it, it, what came to my mind immediately was like, well, if well, if we didn't kill any humans to take over that land, um, but to your point, it's like yeah, like how where do we draw the line on what life is important? Did we displace other species? Did we displace animals? Yeah. 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 And who, yeah. And who killed, because that's always, I mean, I, I'm not enough of a historical buff to know if there ever was a, a movement, a land movement of human beings from one place to another where they didn't eventually kill some, if not all of the people who were there beforehand. Like violence is inherent to human Congress uh, and that can come from brevity of resources, but that can come for any dang reason. Literally, whatever, uh, uh, sexual uh, impropriety, one to the another, you know what I mean? Could literally lead to people slaughtering entire tribes. Be like, oh, you took, you took a woman, which again, from, a, from more ancient societies, like is you could, women could be reckoned as commodities. So perhaps I'm, I'm again, putting my worldview on them. You're like, what do you mean? Women, women are commodities. Women, salt, grain. These are the things that we have. Um, 
this is where the children come from and the food is what keeps us alive to make the children. So it's a commodity, dude. Um, men are not that useful, honestly. You just need one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I find that fascinating. And, I, and again, I think it's, I've only recently been examining the fact that though I interact with an infinite God on a continual basis that I myself am only, only have access to the infinite and I'm not myself infinite because when these things come up, like the three Pyrus council, I would like to have uh, the power. This is again, dating me. There was an eighties show where this girl was like half alien and she could freeze time <clears throat> by, by touching. And I've, use that for all sorts of ideation throughout my whole life. But I would like to do this when you say three verse council yeah, and pause you and then spend six months, nine months, 10 years, 15 years researching exactly, <laughs> unpause, uh, researching like exactly like who was there. And we don't have the capacity. We don't have the time to know fully about everything that we need to know in order to flawlessly execute even that which we endeavor to execute, let alone what I know is imposed upon me as, as what I need to execute um, flawlessly. Um, so is it's- it Out of this world? What was it called? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it? it? Yep, yeah, and they used the, would you like to swing on a star? Yeah. That song was like part of their theme song, I think. That was, yeah. that, that, that was the earliest pause, yeah. Thank you for that reference. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. For me, I, I don't mean that was like the first pause. The first pause. No one had ever stopped doing anything. Um, what did you, but then you asked an interesting question too. Um, what was it? What, like, what, what did you, you give up for whiteness to gain whiteness? Was that the question? How did you? Yeah, more or less. What, what, did your, what did your family give up to become white? Yeah. To become white. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. I would, again, well, that, you have Irish roots. Yeah. And that's especially. Yeah. Well, both of us, I think, are, we're, Island people are fascinating worldwide, regardless, regardless of what your melanation is. Um, so it's fascinating in terms of like what your genetic, like lineage roots. Um, I believe regardless, we all have common, we are all have a common ancestor. We all come from, and I, I think that's almost universally accepted regardless of how you think we got here, that we do come from like a common, very small, and at the very least, a very small set of ancestors. So we're literally all related. So my first, my first thought about, I was like, that's a really fascinating question. And again, I don't live in spaces or exist in spaces who ask that question. And I was like, okay, my first thing was like, obviously protection from the sun. And we live, we're daytime creatures without night vision. So that is such a disadvantage. I can't, I almost can't even imagine how it developed as such, um, except when you became in a place with severe enough weather that you had to be inside long enough that you would give up that where the sun really is not as operably relevant to your existence. But since we live in a place where the sun actually, I think in some ways is getting more and more intense. Um, and I've always thought of this since I was like a teenager, there was a, a public enemy song where they were like, countdown 2001 might be good to be black or at least brown. Um, because like we were like, oh, at the, at the moment, the ozone layer is depleting. The sun is getting hotter. UV rays are more deadly. We are going to white people are going to die first or we're going to have to build some sort of structural 
way to seal ourselves off from the sun. Or again, pop culture reference in Robocop, there's one of the commercials, they had this like, what was it like suntan 2000 or whatever. And they smeared this like blue goop all over their face. And then went out and laid by the pool. I was like, that's gonna be white people. Like the sun, literally quotidian existence is more dangerous uh, to me than a melanated person. I thought you were gonna go Highlander too. With just the big oh. force field around the earth. Yes, yes, you need you need some you need some sort of uh, barrier. Um, but yeah, that was that was just my first uh, spontaneous answer because I was like, oh, that's an interesting, that's a cool question. And we gave oh, and the other part, since we're talking about the origin of species, we gave up uh, identifiers with our origin. Um, so we actually. In, in by by being light, right? Because in terms of genetics, as far as I understand genetics, but again, geneticists listening to this, you can correct me, that you can't, uh, you can't, or it's much more difficult to get from light to dark. Um, we look at this just in common uh, interbreeding between different m people of different melanations that like, it just, it kind of gets like lighter and lighter from dark, that it's very rare that light people will breed and then a darker than both of them person will come out. It's not impossible. I've seen examples of it, but it's rare. Um, it's a recessive gene. So then we're actually visually, we look less like our family um, because of our, our um, pale, our pallid uh, complexion. And, and who knows what that means when we get farther and farther away from our roots, just like you talked about getting back to your like uh, British Island Druidic roots or whatever. Like we are visibly uh, more, more abstracted uh, from our most essential, our most essential form. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder this, I don't know if this is provable in any way, <laughs> but like deep, I mean, I'm studying a lot about the the trauma of and and, and I mean, we've even we as a, especially Western Europeans have inflicted a lot on others, uh, and we've inflicted a lot on ourselves. That that's where it really came from. So there's this idea that we're all we're all carrying around some degree of of inter intergenerational trauma on the yeah. one hand, and so I think hopefully all roads lead to healing, um, and. Uh, that idea of, you know, going back to the indigenous, what does that word even really mean? Well, I yeah. learned this from Jane Elliott, who I'll hold as, as my truth for now <laughs> until I hear something better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think to your point, Africa is is the, the mother continent and we yeah. all drift oh, sure. away from there. <clears throat> yeah. And so there's, I, as I understand it, it's like, who, who settled there first? when let's let's leave the animals out for a moment <laughs> like yeah. who were the first humans that settled there without displacing other humans and yeah that that is a curiosity i'm still holding and then i think to your point about um practical uh limitations you know i mean there's there's all kinds yeah. of manner of discussion and, and schools of thought about you know of course we're all the same we're we're not all the same we're it's it's useful to point out the differences because we built a society that that you know weaponizes those differences visually, particularly race and gender and other and and then, and then also the more invisible ones. And on this and and on the other hand, that we are all cousins and that we all have share a humanity. Um, yeah. But I like your point that there may be like tangible practical deficiencies to melanation to to lighter melanation. And well, the sun, I mean, that's pretty, I, I'm, I'm with that. And that um, 
you know, just knowing, knowing that, that the, it's actually functioning at some deeper level of, of consciousness in, well, why, why did, why did that particular group of people, my ancestors, I think our ancestors, you know, become so violent. And there were a lot of factors. And then the scale of that violence was certainly um, impacted a lot by the industrial age and just the ability to affect more like mass destruction. But, but, you know, I think that is functioning at a deeper level of, of like, why do we resist that? So I appreciate you saying that because, you know, there's an appreciation of (laughs) certainly the practical benefits, but also the, the origination like looking, yeah, and, and and I wonder if there's a deep fear there in a in a sense of disconnection. And as we all know, and as we've hit, highlighted a couple times, you know, fear left un unrecognized or unmet or un um, uh, regulated <laughs> can lead to uh, pretty much an endless amount of destruction. Yeah, mass massive amounts of reaction, but po- positive and negative. You know what I mean? Uh, in terms of uh, I mean, that's the great thing you can look at like colonial societies to examine, right? Which is infrastructural improvements, deluxe, right? Hospitals, educational institutions, uh, feeding the hungry, like just massive movements of organizing. Uh, and this is just recent, recent colonization. That's like, like British, Spanish, you know, those guys. Um, but at the same time, that's like yay all the yay and then on the bottom of it is like subjugation dehumanization murder rape you know what i mean you're like ah, ah, ah. like it's it's fascinating but that is interesting too you had to look at the benefits in order to figure out the, the detriments that also made me think in terms of the fear impulse of being uh highly melanated uh also makes it uh you are more uh spotable uh to pray i think it's why albinoism in general is a recessive gene uh, because in terms of things trying to consume you, if there was like a whole cadre of uh, whatever, like brown buffalo and the wolf pack comes and there's a white buffalo, come on, man. Some white, you're gonna, it's way easier to see. In the night, it's way easier. If any light reflects off of a pale person, we are easier to see. It's more difficult for us to camouflage. You know what I mean? Because so much of these things I think are fundamental to humanity. So then like, I don't, but I don't, I don't, I would know I have to examine like whether certain people groups are more violent than others. They're just having like, so much of it is industrial. So you like, don't even know. Like we just, I don't know whether anyone now is more violent than anyone else. When you have it, you can just press a button and send a bomb to kill hundreds of thousands of people in an instant. Does, it, does that make you more violent? Or in some ways, does it make you less violent because you're completely dispassionately just going, oh, let's just press a button. I don't even think about you. You know what I mean? As opposed to like when you put your hands on someone, is that what defines violence? I mean, there's so many different definitions upon definitions. But it does. it is interesting that it does posit at least some elements of, uh, of disassociation from origin creates an otherness, you know what I mean? So in many ways, any white person is the original other in terms of uh, visual uh, visual examination, you know what I mean? I have no doubt before we separated out into different melanations, we were othering for all manner of who the heck knows what, earlobe size, you know, whatever. Right, so maybe we're at the, <laughs> I hope aftermath or tail end, but I fear that's not true, of no. reacting to, to that fear. Um, Yes. One, one thing I want to, um, I, I realizing we need to come in for a landing, which is, oh my goodness. Uh, uh, so 
but this is reminding me of the first Public Enemy album I ever bought, which was Fear of a Black Planet, yeah. um, which was, I'm sure, largely motivated by meeting you. And perhaps perhaps one day we'll we'll read the big day letter to folks. Yes. I, wrote, I wrote Brandon this hilariously over-formalized letter of introduction. Um, which oh, I, was, I was so heartened and concerned all at once. I was like, what did this university do? <laughs> I was like, and, oh. and, and one thing I'll, I'll tease out um, is, is uh, you know, I said, well, I like, I like most music other than country and rap. <laughs> yeah, I was living in Nashville at the time and 90% of my CD collection was hip hop. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's a little taste of, of history as I've spent, you know, almost a decade now really diving deep into understanding racial inequity and then yeah. but understanding that that living with you was an exposure to so much of you know black culture that i had had so little exposure to before that yeah um, and, and in fact I, I don't even maybe hopefully i paraphrased it close enough but i'm not even sure i said i didn't like it um i don't know i don't know what i said but it was I but it, I I really, knowing you you probably said i enjoy yeah, right. I enjoy most music, musical the, genres. The <laughs> yeah. point is, I don't think I'd had actually had much exposure to that. Now, I had had a decent amount of exposure to country because I was a DJ at an AM country radio station. And, oh. and But there I really was, I was like, I like the old stuff. I like like Gene Autry and stuff. You know, like I, yeah, yeah. I, it was the newer pop country. I didn't like it. But anyway, so maybe we'll tease that out a bit more. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, and maybe, maybe, I have a feeling our next um, episode might just we might just dive into COVID because that's just like how almost how could we not to your point that's one of the reasons we we started furiously texting I think we, we yeah, stress, yeah. stress tested um iMessage <laughs> and the yeah. ability to have threaded re replies but one thing I wanted to say in the context of my spiritual journey about five years ago when I was you know be like becoming a purpose coach and all of these things and convening more with the infinite uh and or more formally, I should say, the infinite actually yeah. starting to receive clear language. There was this line that came out and said that my mission was to still the world so it could hear its own heartbeat. Mm. And and I, I I share that if I think I, if I heard you correctly at the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, oh my God, this is it. And it wasn't like so many of those kinds of messages. It's not like I'm I'm supposed to go do this. It's just like this or is. Or are you? No, you were Andy, and thanks a lot. Now, you know how many millions of people died because you didn't listen? No, but here's the thing. It didn't work. To your point earlier, Yeah, yeah. we didn't still the world. We had the ultimate opportunity. Yeah, no, you were supposed <laughs> take to- Take a collective breath yeah, together. Annie, Annie, you were supposed to do more. It was I understand, I understand. You, you, all, Look, you could have saved us. You could have saved us all. I would like to issue a public apology. Thank you, thank my, you. My saviorism did not fully- uh, express yeah, it. yeah, it took too long. You just took it was just probably like a twenty minute gap where you just you took too long to share that with people. And I, there was a new preprint. Uh, no, not a preprint. Actually, it's fully published, peer reviewed uh, study just came out in the Lancet. Um, I think it was published either yesterday or today, um, demonstrating that like all the non pharmaceutical interventions that we engaged in were of no discernible benefit. Um, so and we've known that really for two years now, but like, this is like the John Hopkins study from a month ago. And then this one, we're like, all the stuff we did was because, I mean, in many ways, I think, cause we didn't do a little bit, at least a little bit more of what you naturally do. So I'm so glad you still are alive because we need, we need people like you um, to do that, just to, to, to still the world.
Now, the problem is maybe we still, we did still for a second and then we heard our heartbeat and our heartbeat was racing so dang fast that we were like, I need some sort of medicine. I need a heart condition pill. I need a thing. I need a, I don't know. I need to slow my breathing. I need to restrict. Oh, that's fascinating. Maybe that's why we did masks to like slow our breathing, to literally like restrict our breathing so we could breathe more intentionally. See, if someone had come out and the president had just said, everyone needs to wear masks because it'll slow your breathing and make you more, a more intentional person. I would have been like, A, what happened to this dude? When did he start talking like this? And then secondly, I was like, oh, that's, that's an interesting theory. <laughs> slow, something needs to slow us the hell, the hell down. I say as I as typically try to speak as rapidly as possible. I want someone listening to this to be like, did I actually bump my thing? Did I do, am I, is this one and a quarter speed? <laughs> There's this like conservative news pundit dude named Ben Shapiro, who um, every time I hear him talk, I'm always like, I literally have to pick my phone up. I'm like, wait, what is that? Oh no, no, it's regular. That's right. He's like a 1.5 speed talker. It's crazy. It's so wild. And then I found myself, I try to, I try to slow down. Um, I was maybe partially for the first time in my life, partially initially tentatively uh, diagnosed as um, HD um, by my uh, therapist uh, yes, yesterday. Um, he was like, oh, you might, if you were in, what do you say, grand rounds, you'd probably be identified, you'd probably be diagnosed with ADHD. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, I don't have attention deficit. I mean, I can talk same subject in a meandering fashion like this uh, for six hours, you know what I mean, or whatever. So I don't think I had that part, but I, the hyperactivity disorder, I was like, oh, I could see that. I, I don't receive that diagnosis yet. I haven't, I haven't received it or in, in, ingested it really or processed it or integrated it. Um, I thought you meant high definition. I was like, yeah, you, you always come through. That's what, that's why I'm calling it. I'm just calling it HD because it sounds cool that way. I'm like hyper, hyperactive. Well, because when you break it down, it doesn't, I mean, this is, I silverlined it, which is good because I don't tend to silverline anything. Um, I was like, hyperactive. I mean, break that word down. That sounds flipping great. Isn't that what we all want to be? We all want to be hyperactive. Now, my, my wife or maybe reasonable people and paths like yourself are like, no slow, slow down, dude. And I'm like, what do you mean slow down? No, hyperactive is like active, but better. It's more, it's more of the thing I want to be. I think, especially now that I'm sick, I really enjoy being mentally hyperactive because <laughs> my body is not like, I can't do things. So, oh, that's a, that's another identifier. I don't, again, I don't, I don't integrate it as a essential part of who I am, but I'm currently suffering from ulcerative this. That may function in the show where sometimes in the show, I might just literally have to leave. Um, one of the most fun aspects of ulcerative colitis um, is emergency poops. Uh, you go from being like, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'm good. Within sometimes no joke, three to 10 seconds, you can be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh no, I'm pooping now. Uh, so, but as, as that returned to my body about four years ago, um, after a 30 year hiatus, uh, the Lord healed me uh, through the power of prayer. It was pretty fantastic. People prayed over me and it went away when I was like eight or nine years old. Um, and doctors were confounded. It was a medical miracle, flipping spectacular, really like it. I thought it was a healing forever, kind of disappointed to some degree to find out it was a 30 year hiatus. Don't mean to give, look the gift horse in the mouse, Lord, mouth. No, I didn't look at, I did not look that gift horse in the mouse. There was a mouse in his mouth, but I couldn't look at it because it was freaking me out. I was like, why is it on his tongue? Did it eat his tongue? Is it like that little parasite in the Amazon or whatever that crawls in and like eats a fish's tongue and becomes its tongue? Um, but anyway, that is, uh, uh, as I got afflicted, my body 
is fatigued and I have brain fog for a while, um, but I don't have brain fog anymore. And I feel like I'm, I, I have to be careful. I almost have a panic of like, I need to, I need to get it all done. I need to think it all through. I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to. There's so much, like you're talking about, there's so much good that needs to be accomplished. And I want to be as much a part of it as possible before I die, certainly, um, and move into eternity. And I think probably just do the same thing. Um, or in the very least, before I have to run out of the room and poop myself. Possible candidate for the title of this episode, Emergency Poops. Emergency Poops. <laughs> well, I know we need to come in for a landing. Uh, one thing I want to make sure everybody knows is that you handcrafted this shirt that I'm wearing. The totally I did. shirt. Um, I think before Burning Man, which is a whole subject yeah. we can tease out at some point. Oh, absolutely. And I don't wear it very often because it's, it was written with a marker. So I'm, I'm extraordinarily, yeah. I, I treat this I thing like a precious baby. And like, how many times can I wash it before the marker? Comes yeah, away? I know. Well, actually, no, it's, it, it's not marker. It's, um, uh, it was a, a spray paint. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know how to screen print. I didn't learn how to screen print in order to do that. What I did was I created um, stencils of all the, um, of all the uh, letters and then I sprayed it. Huh. Yeah. Well, I just learned something about my clothing today. Yeah. Hopefully that's not the most useful thing I learned today because I've learned a lot. And I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, we're only, we've only just begun. We've only just begun. Uh, I agree. And um, I'm delighted. Yeah. I love you. I love you. Give my love to the ladies. I will. Give my love to whoever um, you encounter next uh, who needs love. So get out in the world, go find them. They might literally just be on the street right now in need of love. Go, quick. We know what happens last time when you delayed, Andy. <laughs> and on the Dancing Unicorn, thank you guys for listening. Um, more to come. We promise way more contentious, hard-hitting love next time. Yep.